The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the program's contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the University of Alabama. Thank you for listening to Bless Our Hearts, Alabama Quilt Bag Stories. I'm Kevin. And I'm Lizzie. Bless Our Hearts is a podcast about the stories of queer people living in Alabama. On this episode, Luke joined us to talk about his experience coming out as trans in high school. He also talked to us about how he has learned to cope with dysphoria through art and therapy. We're thrilled to get to talk to Luke, and we're both super grateful that he was gracious enough to teach us a new word. Yeah, thanks, Luke. It was Gucci getting to know you. <laughs> so we're sitting in a very tiny room with Luke, who has been uh, schooling us on some new lingo. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gucci. Gucci. It's Gucci. I don't know how I feel about Kevin learning that word. I think all education is good education. <laughs> it just depends on how you use your knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. That's very. Okay. That's a mm-hmm. Gucci yeah. idea. That's a Gucci. Heck yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> See, I'm just. I've been coming up with all these great like w- pieces of wisdom on the fly. Yeah, it's yeah. been good. It's been good. It's yeah, been Gucci. I mean, Education. We've only known you for like five minutes, and we've already extended our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how you identify? Uh, what brought you to Alabama? Well. So I identify as a transgender guy. Um, I'm in Alabama because my dad's a professor, so we got a job here. We used to live, my family was in Austin, Texas, okay. up until about like late 2010 Then we moved over here because he taught at UT, now he's here at UA. And then I'm just at this college because I enjoy getting paid to be at college. Real. What brings you here? What brings me here? Yeah. Um, I was actually just kind of looking into the various student organizations on campus, like, before Get On Board Day, mm-hmm. and I saw something uh, that was advertised by Spectrum about the this podcast thing, the quilt, what? Bless Our Hearts, Alabama Quilt Bag Stories. Okay, there we go. Yay! I just, I can't remember words sometimes. It's Same. all right. I have a very extensive vocabulary, but I can never use it. Yeah, well, Gucci. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So, I guess it all starts on the day of my birth. No. um, I don't know. I was a very introverted kid. I had a large family. I have five siblings total. And so, I didn't really feel necessary for me as a kid to go out and socialize as much Mm -hmm. as some other kids did. So I was in a very contained, I guess, environment. I mean, I love all my siblings and my parents beat along very well. <laughs> but I also grew up in a church that didn't I didn't get exposure, I guess, to a lot of different points of view. So when I started feeling discomfort with myself and my body and the roles I had been seeing begin begun to be laid out for me, I didn't know what was wrong. Because, mm-hmm. of course, that meant something was wrong because I didn't know what was happening and it wasn't what I was being told. And it wasn't as, it wasn't done out of some sort of like trying to contain me. It's just that I didn't know. And so I guess I was always a little bit of a tomboy, if you want to say it like that. Mm-hmm. And then when we moved here, actually, it was around fifth grade or so. So I was like 10, 11. I started like seeing that, oh, this isn't quite what the other girls, the gals are up to. <laughs> and so it wasn't until also like sixth grade when I was like 12 that I really 
felt extremely just uncomfortable because I tried to force myself into a role that was not fit for me. Mm-hmm. And once again, I didn't know like why I felt this way. And I felt that it was some sort of deficiency in me until I began to be exposed to stuff put through dumb middle schoolers and also, you know, the interwebs, which is great. But (laughs) at first I was very, like, concerned, I guess, by some things I was seeing or hearing. But then I did some research, I guess, and I, I guess I was kind of afraid to label myself completely as transgender at first. But I did come up with the name Luke when I was in seventh grade. I don't really know how it happened. I just vaguely (laughs) remember chatting with one of my friends and it just happened. So I'm Luke now. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Claire. Shout out to Claire. Uh, But then, uh, so I sort of identified as like an androgynous sort of agender sort of thing for a while until (laughs) I realized like that's not quite what's up. And so it was a process. There was a period in high school like around freshman year towards beginning of junior year I guess where I had extremely like an extreme disgust I guess towards myself because I mean puberty Mm -hmm. it's not a fun time when it's your body's doing the exact opposite of what you want it to do Mm -hmm. my voice isn't getting deeper I'm growing these nasty things on my chest that I don't want (laughs) it's not a fun time Um, and so since around like seventh grade, backtrack a bit, I used art as a form of like coping with various things in my life and also just for fun. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then around freshman year, I had never really drawn myself very often. It just made me feel kind of vain if I were to do that. Mm -hmm. But I started doing it more freshman year, except it was, they were very violent themes, I suppose. Uh, There was never a picture of me that I would have ever drawn that I was not bloodied or bruised or like some sort of deformity because that's just, I guess, the only way I could physically express the discomfort I was feeling without like actually like, you know, maiming myself. Mm -hmm. So that was not a good time. Throughout that, I was seeing a psychologist and she was wonderful and she really helped me sort through all these feelings. Uh, But then I guess I kind of started growing, I guess, <laughs> in, a, in a good way, a positive way this time, not in a negative puberty way. <laughs> um, I guess I started having more contact with other people who either felt the same or knew other people who felt the same so I could sort of relate or they would actually understand what I meant when I'm saying, like, this doesn't feel right. Also, freshman year of high school is when I came out to, to like, my peers at school. <laughs> and honestly, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified because... There's not really any way you can know how people are going to react. And, you know, I'm in the South. I went to high school here in Tuscaloosa, and it's, you know, the Bible Belt, wonderful time. I was actually very lucky, though, in regards to how people reacted, because for the most part, it was either just accepting, supportive, or just completely neutral. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if there was anyone who didn't like it, I just didn't need to interact with them. I don't really—I'm not a very confrontational person. And I don't feel the need to spend the energy and time and just stress for people who are doing things out of spite and ignorance. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty good for the most part. I was honestly actually kind of surprised and a little disappointed, though, that most of my peers, you know, these teenagers who grew up in the same sort of not really exposed to all these things, the same sort of conservative environment, 
they were a lot more accepting than some of the staff members, honestly. I recall one time I needed to like get up to go use the bathroom in the middle of class, and it was in the middle of the period, so there was a very slim chance that anyone would el- else would actually be in the bathroom. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use the men's room mm-hmm. because it's the principle of the matter. Yeah. Um, and then when I came out, a staff member saw me, and I remember like my blood boiling when she said something along the lines of, uh, you're just trying to look for trouble now if you keep this up. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. And I just kind of dismissed her and walked away. And it made me so angry. But I guess now... I just kind of tend to brush that stuff off because, like I said, I don't feel the need to expend the energy and time of my day to try and fight back when I'm obviously just being provoked. Mm -hmm. Because that was definitely not out of a genuine concern. That was less a concern of my safety and more a concern over my Mm nonconformity. How did your parents handle your family? My... (sighs) They're fine. It's... Once again, I was very lucky. I have had a greater experience. No matter how horrible it can be dealing with these things, it's in regards to the people around me, I have been much more lucky than I know a lot of trans or just LGBT kids in general have had it. I didn't really, I kind of suggested, I guess, to my parents when I was around like 14 or so, I believe, that I wasn't quite feeling the whole female thing. But I never really expanded upon it until I was like 16, 17. And my brother, my older brother, who I'm really close to, he's just like three years older than me. um, He picked up on it, obviously, because like you can't look at me and not be like this kid's queer. (laughs) Um, And so he actually talked to me about it. And so he was very accepting and very supportive. And then my little sister as well. Uh, And then my other siblings, I didn't have as much like direct interaction with because they're all like older and off doing their own thing like at college and stuff but when I do meet them they do call me Luke and they will use my pronouns around me and I mean they'll slip up but like that's understandable because Mm -hmm. for like up until like a year ago maybe they had always seen me as a girl and would use my birth name so I get that because it's just like habit but they have done a wonderful job and while my parents are not necessarily enthusiastic about the whole thing they're not against it and they're they're trying, and I think that is the most I could ask for, honestly. Because, I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of experience with, like, people like that. I mean, they were <laughs> boomers. Um, but, <laughs> sorry, I say the word with such disdain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, don't realize that this is so foreign to the boomers. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I understand that. Yeah. It's That's why I... I'm so grateful that they have been doing their best because Mm -hmm. it isn't something that they were necessarily super aware and knowledgeable and exposed to throughout their lives up until the point when their kid comes out as trans. And I mean, they've obviously like met people. I remember my dad used to live in like the San Francisco Bay Area and he would talk about like getting hit on by gay guys and how he was like, ooh, Um, but (laughs) no, um, They've they've done a great job, and while sometimes I most definitely have my frustrations, it is a lot more than, like I said, other people have been able to get with their families. I mean, honestly, the biggest part was just the whole, the name that I chose. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the idea that I was identifying as something else, but I guess they saw it as a sort of 
not necessarily offense, but kind of a slight against them in a way that I would choose a name that is completely unrelated to my birth one. Mm-hmm. Um, like they would suggest kind of like just altering it so it sounds similar. And like while I understand that, that point because, I mean, I'm their kid, it's also just like I hate hearing my birth name. It's a very gross experience. I hate seeing mm-hmm. it written down. I actually met um, a girl here on campus who has that name, and, like, she's so wonderful, but I cannot look at her without being like, "Uh, you are a symbol of my dysphoria. But she's not. She's not. She's a wonderful person, and I'm working on that. But, you know, it's it's coming along. I honestly, I don't, it's very morbid to say, but I don't know if I would have been able, like, how or if I would have been able to get past the last, like, four years if I had not come out. Because keeping that sort of just pain and discomfort bottled up and putting on a facade is not something that anyone should have to do. So despite like some adverse opinions that I have received, I honestly, I cannot imagine trying to be a person that I am not. And I mean, I'm going to be starting hormone therapy i believe in this november once i turn 19 oh congratulations and I'm, thank you i'm i'm really excited about that so is my psychologist she's been <laughs> reading for me this whole time she's like yes yes you're gonna finally do it um but i mean i would be on it for like a year already now if the legal age in alabama yeah. as an adult was was 18 mm-hmm. but it is what it is and i mean i've been waiting for so long i can wait this these next couple months Yeah, I like I have lots of, I guess, ideas, plans as I go along, but I really just my main thing is I really want my voice to be deeper because while I can tend to just like pass as at least androgynous and people won't be able to tell as soon as I open my mouth and they hear my voice, they're like, oh, that's a butch lesbian. And like, Uh. while I love butch lesbians, I'm not one. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Although I do love when people actually ask me what gender I am because they're they because they're confused right and i'm like ha i've tricked you um <laughs> but along that same line actually here at ua i've been very surprised by how many people have actually asked me like straight up what pronouns i use um when i introduce myself and it means a lot it really does because i mean i knew that we would have a lot of people out of state because alabama loves having those out of state um mm-hmm. kids and so I knew there would be different viewpoints, but at the same time, a lot of those out-of-state kids aren't necessarily... Never mind, I'm going to stop that train of thought. Um, you can say anything you want. No, to I don't want to be mean. Um, <laughs> there's a very big Greek life system here, mm-hmm. and so that's why a lot of people actually come from out-of-state specifically for the Greek life system. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't want to make broad, general statements, but it's not known for being the most... Um, open-minded community I guess and so that was part of my hesitance and then also just being from Tuscaloosa a sort of hesitance I guess about not no not a hesitant more preconceptions about what it would be like here Mm -hmm. but as I said I've been very surprised and while I definitely have seen like a few little looks it's really I have not had any sort of direct confrontation from someone and but like I said I've had mostly positive responses and that is something that I'm very grateful for and while Some people don't necessarily understand, like, what things are okay and not okay to ask people. I would honestly rather have someone ask me, like, how I identify and what pronouns I use if I'm, like, planning on anything I'm planning on doing, like, physically, like, with hormone therapy or surgeries. Mm -hmm. I would rather them ask that than 
completely disregard my identity totally because it's I mean it's uncomfortable to have someone ask me like hey are you going to get surgeries but it's I would rather that so that they can understand like the extent that this is and how serious it is rather than them completely brush it off and dismiss the issue. So you said you're going to start hormone therapy in a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think your life's going to look like a few years down the line? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I'm currently a psychology major, and in the spring, I'm going to be adding a criminal justice minor. Okay. The original plan um, was to, after getting my undergrad, I'll go off to grad school and get a PhD because there's literally nothing you could do with a psych undergrad without <laughs> further um, certification. And the current plan was to actually go and become a licensed therapist because um, that is something that just I would be very interested in and especially if I could interact with like LGBT youth and like mm-hmm. teenagers, young adults, because I think it is very important for someone who has had these kinds of experiences to be able to interact with people who are just figuring these things out. And while I mean, yes, no, it is definitely I'm not trying to say that it's like you have to be LGBT to work with LGBT kids. It is definitely a certain sort of comfort, I suppose, mm-hmm. because I know I haven't had a whole lot of interaction with older LGBT people, but when I have, it has been a sort of like, I don't know, a breath of fresh air, I guess you could say, (laughs) because it's like, oh my God, this person understands and they've made it this far, so maybe they can help me. Maybe I can get this far too. Um, But then also the criminal justice minor was because I've kind of been interested in forensic psychology. But that's like what how I see myself um, a few years down in like career wise. I honestly don't know. I just kind of want to I want to go with the flow, <laughs> try and be financially stable. That would be a very nice thing. I, I mean, I don't want to have my own kids because dysphoria is nasty. Mm-hmm. But and also I'm not really that great with children. But that is current <laughs> me. I don't know how future me will be. Um, but there is actually if I'm ever in a like. Well, no, not if I will be financially stable and if I'm in like a steady sort of like relationship or partnership with someone, I would like to either adopt or I've there's something I would really like to um, try fostering mm-hmm. um, younger kids just because like the foster system is not the greatest. And yeah, but that's something that I am also interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot always be the most patient person, but I'm working on it. So I guess that I'll keep doing my arts. I'll, I'll do my best. That's all I can say. I'll be doing my best. So I have a question. You know, you talked about the coming out process for you and what it was like to navigate that with family. And I think that for a lot of people, especially for people in Alabama who are LGBTQ and especially for people who are trans, navigating that coming out process is a really daunting Mm-hmm. thing to to kind of conceptualize. So as somebody who's kind of, you know, walked through the flames, uh, can do you have any any advice or words of wisdom for people who are contemplating that? I would say, first and foremost, if you feel like it is something that would either put you in danger or worsen your situation, I would I I would personally wait until you're maybe out of the house, able to sustain yourself just because I have heard many stories about people who have come out to their parents and then lost all like financial support, Mm -hmm. like any sort of mental health that they had at home is completely gone. And while it would be horrible to have to hide, like your personal safety is more important, I believe, than anything else at such like a turbulent, I guess, sort Mm -hmm. of time um, if you're still living at home. But even if you know that you 
you may not agree. I really believe that it is best to be straightforward when you can. But like I said, always be mindful of your, like your personal safety. Um, at least try and find a, if you don't already have one, a support system that is outside of your family. Like my friends have always been extremely like supportive of me, even when at first, like when I had been discussing the possibility of being like trans or just agender in some way, um, I'd been discussing that with them you know like how I said in seventh grade me and Mm -hmm. Claire um, came up with my name so having something outside is always very good I personally sometimes like just randomly burst into tears when I talk about stuff I've gotten better (laughs) about that but I I wrote it down actually I did not say anything to my parents face I just I wrote it down on a sheet of notebook paper and then I had my mom come into my room and I just handed it to her and then sat like I held my legs and I just sat on my bed while she read it and then we talked it out a bit and it was like I said they were a bit iffy about it all at first but they're trying um I guess don't go into anything with a romantic idea of how it will be because even if you have a very like open-minded accepting maybe like liberal family it is an adjustment and I had a hard time for a while understanding that it was an adjustment for those around me and not just myself Mm -hmm. because I mean while I do still believe that my comfort with myself my gender my mental health is more important than anyone else's discomfort with like I said my non-conformity it is you do have to keep in mind that your family like may have known you like your whole life as a certain way and then to suddenly have that erased it is it's in it's a disorienting experience for anyone i guess just do what makes you comfortable what you think will help you the most i mean it's like i said i just came out when to like publicly around like school and stuff in the, my freshman year because i was in a very dark place in that time of my life and i knew that i needed any kind of relief that i could get and mm-hmm. so that is what gave me relief because having personal, like not gender related struggles being just amplified by the gender related stuff would have messed me up really bad. And so that is why I did that at that point in time, because I just, I needed to, some people would call me brave or they still will say that, wow, that was so brave of you to come out then. But I think a more accurate term would just be desperate. Honestly, it was not any sort of I'm completely confident in myself and no matter what happens, it'll be great. It was more like a, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone experiences these things differently, but that was, that was me. It was not (laughs) bravery, but now I guess I am more confident and it's, I had to grow that. It came, so coming out came from a very like just uncertain, desperate place. And now it's grown into where this is me and I'm fine with it. And I will openly express my opinions about it. Yeah, that's literally all I can say is just do what you think is best for yourself. Um, Like I said, keep your safety in mind. Never put yourself in a situation that would endanger you for the sake of people using your right pronouns or your preferred name. Because if, I mean, you can't, you can't be out and have people accept you if you're not there to be accepted anymore. It's always best to just try to hang in there if you can't do anything about it at the moment. That is what I would say. I would just say hang in there. Do your best. It's like I'm doing my best. Do your best, whatever that may mean for you. Awesome. That was great. Thank you. I think that's a good spot to end. Heck yeah. Woohoo. Woo. Thank you so much for talking to us. That was Gucci. (laughs) I'm glad it was Gucci. Yeah. (laughs) 
Thank you again for listening to Bless Our Hearts. We're putting this podcast out in observance of LGBTQIA plus History Month. We'll be putting out new episodes throughout the month of October, so if you don't want to miss one, go ahead and subscribe. If you want to learn more about LGBTQIA plus community and resources in your area, check out your local pride organization or equalityalabama.org. If you're a parent or a relative of somebody who is LGBTQIA plus and you want to help support them, check out the nearest branch of PFLAG. PFLAG is a national organization that connects families and allies of LGBTQIA plus loved ones to help those families get educated and stay united. This podcast is brought to you by the Safe Zone Resource Center and the Center for Instructional Technology at the University of Alabama. The Safe Zone Resource Center provides educational outreach, community support programming, and crisis intervention resources for queer individuals at UA and their allies. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so by email at safezone at ua.edu or via Facebook slash Instagram at at UA Safe Zone. If you're a faculty member and you could use some help with instructional technology or if you have the Blackboard Blues, you can reach out to the Center for Instructional Technology at 205-348-3532 or by email at cit at ua.edu.